Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Sportsbeat on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT, a live stream available at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT radio app. It's a snowy one here in South Bend, and all of the high school basketball in our immediate area has been postponed. Sectionals at Laporte, Elkhart, Jimtown, Knox, and Northwood. Not playing tonight. They will play tomorrow. We'll go through all the new schedules in just a little bit. We've got the great LaFonso Ellis joining me in just a couple of moments. Bottom of the hour, retired high school basketball coach Ron Heklinski talking Hoosier hysteria. Got a whole lot more over the next couple of hours here on WSBT Radio. The Notre Dame women's basketball team turned back NC State in the ACC tournament quarterfinals today in Greensboro. 66-60, Olivia Miles listed as day-to-day due to that knee injury suffered over the weekend. By the way, she was walking, didn't look great to say the least, but Sonia Citron, a career high, or I should say a season high, 28 points and nine rebounds, sparking the Irish. Maddie Westbelt, 15 points, 10 rebounds. She went over 1,000 career points, and Notre Dame moves on to the semifinals of the ACC tournament. And the Fighting Irish will take on the four-seed Louisville tomorrow at noon. Louisville routed Wake Forest 74-48. Third meeting in 17 days. Notre Dame has won the previous two meetings against the Louisville Cardinals this year. All right, we're going to take a very quick timeout because we have LaFonso Ellis, the Notre Dame great and ESPN College basketball analyst, joining us. That conversation comes your way next on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Wesley, off-balance shot, no good. Atkinson put back. It's good. That's it. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Notre Dame in double overtime. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Happy St. Patrick's Day, baby. 
Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. I'm joined by LaFonzo Ellis, of course, McDonald's All-American from his high school days, Notre Dame Ring of Honor member. Averaged 15 points and 11 rebounds for the Fighting Irish. Fifth overall pick in the 92 NBA draft by the Nuggets. And now, of course, ESPN college basketball analyst. LaFonzo, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing really well, Darren. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much. Hey, it's March. Yes. It's a great time of the year for college basketball <laughs> fans. And it's yes, been a strange year here in South Bend, LaFonzo. I don't think anybody saw this struggle coming from this Fighting Irish basketball team. I'll get to that in a second, but I want to start with just your reaction when you found out that Mike Bray was leaving this Notre Dame program after 23 years. Uh, I was sad uh, to hear the news. I've been so proud of the way that uh, Mike has led our program for the 23 years that he's been there. Uh, Elite Eights, Sweet 16s, and obviously several NCAA tournament appearances. And you talk about a guy that has, uh, he's just a classy guy with uh, just a great attitude and feels really good with people, and he's an excellent teacher. I've even said that he's an innovator because as we think about right now with what's going on in the NBA, uh, teams running uh, offenses that are uh, designed around space and ball and body movement. Mike, Mike Bray, in my mind, started all of that in the um, – around 2008, 2009, uh, where, uh, you know, he's always had an emphasis on uh, ball security, not turning it over, proper spacing, making good decisions. He would go five out or he'd go four out, one in. And so, uh, you know, he's so many different things to me, an innovator, a terrific leader, a wonderful person, a guy of integrity. Uh, I've been really pleased with the way he's manned it. And my first impression was I was very, very sad. But at the same time, I had to flip it on the other side, too, and say he wouldn't do it if he didn't feel like it was the right time. So I'm, I'm sad but happy for him at the same time. I think Mike has one of the greatest nicknames. He's been called the loosest coach in college basketball. And LaFonza, with your job, I'm sure you get a chance to communicate with a lot of head coaches. I'm sure there aren't many that present themselves the way Mike does. I mean, he just seems like a guy you can meet along the street and pick up a conversation and, and chat away for about 15 minutes. Well, there's no question about it. I, I, I barely made it in. I wanted to go and honor him in his last game last night and do some Slight issues getting uh, home to South Bend from Hartford through Atlanta. Uh, I only arrived with eight minutes to go in the second half. <laughs> and, of course, what did I find out? Mike wants to go over and celebrate as a linebacker afterwards. <laughs> I guarantee you there are a thousand coaches out there who would never consider going to a the linebacker right after a key win. And so that that's just emblematic of what you just described. He, he's, a, he, he's a man's man and a people's person. <laughs> he's a man of the people. Yes, he is. LaFonzo Ellis, my guest here. Here on WSBT Radio, you think back 23 years ago, LaFonzo, this Notre Dame basketball program was in need of a, a bit of a jolt. I know Matt Doherty took over for a year and then left for North Carolina. Mike came from Delaware. He had Troy Murphy, David Graves. That's a pretty good place to start. But how much do you believe he has changed how attractive this head coaching job position is? I think what he's demonstrated is that you could win and win at a high level. You know, with the, I mentioned earlier about his elite aides, his uh, 
Sweet 16s and multiple uh, NCAA tournament uh, bids. And uh, it, 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 it's interesting because when people think of University of Notre Dame, they think of football, they think of the high level of academics, both worthy. Uh, but Mike did a great job of, of uh, putting our, or keeping our basketball program on the national scene as well. Um, if I remember correctly, at least one uh, Big East uh, title at least one ACC title. So everywhere he's been, he's won. And again, all of that has made me very proud of the way that he's led our program over the last 23 years. LaFonso, I'm curious, just as a former Notre Dame basketball player, is there something that you're looking for, a trade or two in the new head coach that eventually gets hired here in South Bend? Um. I, I think that person has to really understand what that what that job is. I mean, not just anyone can get in to our program in terms of the academic standards uh, that are required to get in. And the person who understands that uh, that there's a group of, of unique, talented uh, kids out there across the country, and the pool will be smaller than it would be if you were at an Indiana or Purdue, uh, a couple of our other. Uh, state schools in, in Indiana, as someone who really understands that. And then secondly, obviously with the whole NIL push, has to have a uh, decent, because I don't think anyone has a firm grasp on it because it seems to be changing. <laughs> it seems to be changing daily. And uh, But someone who has a firm grasp on that as well and really understands how to ingratiate himself into the South Bend, Notre Dame community. You know, LaFonso, Irish fans are asking thus in the media, gosh, we're not hearing many names right now. Who might be the next head coach? Is that because we still have a lot of basketball left in the season and this just isn't the right time for coaches to reach out possibly to Notre Dame about their interest? I think you're exactly right. But a lot of that's going on behind the scenes with the agents because the agents can. Uh, I I do think that Jack Warburg and his a group have done a terrific job of keeping it buttoned up and not allowing anything to leak out. I think that's very professional. I've been very proud of the way that they've handled that. But I think it's both of those things working simultaneously. LaFonso Ellis is my guest on WSBT Radio. Fonz, how surprised were you with the way this season unfolded here in South Bend? Uh, I didn't think we would take as many losses as we did, but I thought we would struggle. And I thought we would struggle because we didn't have a true replacement for Paul Atkinson. I think people forget just how meaningful he was to both our offense and our defense. Uh, we, we, we returned uh, a bunch of shooting guys that can really shoot the basketball, but what we didn't have is a person who you could throw the basketball into and that guy would be able to go one-on-one inside, one-on-one inside the way Paul Atkinson did last year because you couldn't leave any of our shooters because we shoot it so well from the perimeter. We didn't have that guy this year. And if you go back even to our first loss uh, against Syracuse, and if you look at every center uh, from that first loss to Syracuse on, we've gotten dominated in the middle of the floor, and that wasn't the case last year with Paul Atkinson because teams had to deal with him. I guess it's fair to say, LaFonso, and you kind of touched on this a moment ago, but Irish fans might have to be patient for a year or two with the new head coach. There's going to be a lot of players leaving the program out of eligibility. Yeah. The hope is J.J. Yeah. Starling's going to stay, but I'm sure he's mm-hmm. going to have – a lot of people interested in him. It's going to be tough to get a lot of transfers in. So do we have to really be patient more than likely, LaFonso, the next couple of years when that new head coach comes in? 
I think definitely. You know, the transfer portal has created that, right? Now uh, kids who may be uncomfortable uh, with a new coach coming in, they if they're even – remotely uncomfortable, they have an opportunity to go in, into the portal and maybe uh, connect with some uh, t- a team with a coach who they were very comfortable with, with initially in the recruiting process, but just thought that Notre Dame was the best fit for them at the time. And so certainly you're going to have a lot of attrition there and uh, you're just going to be young. Even if J.J. Stalin returns, you'll be a sophomore next year. Marcus Burton is coming in. So, so it'll be a really young group and you definitely always have to be patient when you lose uh, that amount of talent, that, uh, that much of uh, leadership uh you gotta allow time for a new coach to come in to build the program and to establish the culture uh the way that they would want to with their own unique style and identity there so we're certainly going to have to be patient with the new person that comes in let me sneak in a couple of big 10 questions really fast you played against the world's greatest players in the nba i'm sure you went against your fair share of seven footers zach Eady at purdue at seven four what would you do defensively to try to make him uncomfortable the only thing you really can do is you start first by trying to get early defensive post position to push him off three or four feet off the block so that when he catches the basketball, he just can't go quickly without a dribble over the top. And then the next thing is you put up a gigantic 25 by 25 uh, help sign <laughs> your teammates to come and give you some help as quickly as possible. But no, seriously. But to push him off the block initially uh, so that he can't make a quick turn. And then uh, if he does uh, catch it in close, have someone come help right as he releases the basketball on his first dribble. Because if you don't come down and uh, double-team him at the right time, you can absolutely forget about it. He's the most dominant offensive player in our game right now. I've noticed a couple of Purdue games lately, LaFonso, where the opposition has tried to attack those two young Purdue guards who are not the tallest, mm-hmm. Smith and Lawyer. When we get to tournament mm-hmm. time, do you think that that's a concern, the height of those guards maybe getting <laughs> put in some tough spots on pick and rolls that could be a problem for Matt Painter? Yeah, and, and I took a lot of heat for that. For about, about two months ago, I said that I didn't think that Purdue had a shot at winning the national title. And it wasn't that I didn't think that they were uh, a good team, because they certainly are. It's just that uh, the last four national champions have had perimeter players who were projected uh, to be drafted in the first round of the NBA draft in that current year. And obviously, Purdue does not have that. I love Fletcher Lawyer. He is as tough as nails, and I would love to play with him. Braden Smith uh, can shoot it tough, can get in the lane and make plays. He's an excellent passer as well. But as I just pointed out, they don't fit that description. So that's why I didn't feel that they had a chance to win the national title. And I thought they would struggle with bigger guards, and we've seen them struggle with bigger guards. But I still think this is a Purdue team that is a Sweet 16 at least team. Mm -hmm. And, of course, if they can continue to knock down perimeter shots, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they got to a Final Four. I just don't think they're equipped to win it. I don't think I've ever seen with one game to go in a regular season a six-way tie for second place like we have in the Big Ten right now. And and LaFonso, Indiana is one of those teams, and they are going to go into the tournament with two guys who have played really good basketball as of late. Shafino, of course, Trace Jackson Davis, but they just seem to be awfully inconsistent. What is your take on the Hoosiers? Yeah, that, to, to your point, just, just inconsistent. I think you, I think you will find that anytime you have a young guard. Jalen Shafino is absolutely incredible. I mean, it's six five, six six, 
thick, big body, can shoot the threes, really good in pick-and-roll situations. Mike Whitson hasn't done this yet, but he can actually post him against a lot of uh, smaller guards, and he's he's just absolutely incredible. But if you look at uh, many, not all, but many of their their, their losses, it's come when uh, Jalen Hirschafino hasn't played well, and they certainly need him to do that, especially with the injury that they've had at the, at the uh, off-guard position. And uh, so they're, they're kind of trending the way that I would think that they would. And, of course, Race Thompson, in my mind, hasn't been as consistent this year as a player uh, for them as he was last year. And so it's those inconsistencies that catches up with them along the line. But I think in the end, it would be fine. Final question for you. I know you're going to be in North Carolina for that Duke-North Carolina game. College game mm-hmm. day is going to be there. And I couldn't believe what I was hearing last night on ESPN. I know it's a fact, but it's just hard to believe that Duke and Carolina are playing a game in which they're trying to improve their resume to both sustain themselves or get into the NCAA tournament. How strange is it to have that conversation? Well, Duke's in. So whether they win or lose against North Carolina, they're, they're in. It's North Carolina who's really fighting for their lives. And to your point, to even – say that is just so <laughs> odd and then so so surreal but i think that's what's going to make the game tomorrow uh being played at such a high level because there's so much at stake i mean you're talking about the north, the north carolina team that uh was up 15 in the national championship mm-hmm. game last year returning four of their five starters uh preseason number one in the country and now they're fighting for their lives to just make it to the ncaa tournament and so i'd imagine they're going to come out locked in ready to play tomorrow duke has been playing so well tyrese proctor is really comfortable uh, at the point guard position which is allowing jeremy roach to play off the basketball Derek lively uh, has really accepted his role as a floor runner offensive rebounder and shot blocker and they, this is a team that slowly but surely has gotten healthy and everyone out there on the floor, they have a go-to guy on the interior at seven-footer and Kyle Filipowski who can also step out on the floor, knock down three and take, take you off the dribble. So all those things are coming together at the right time for Duke and, and don't be surprised if they get to a 316. Hmm. Lafonso, thank you so much for doing this. I know it's the busy time of the year for you, but I'm I'm grateful for your time. And by the way, you and Seth are a really good tag team duo. You guys work so well together. It's always very, very entertaining. So thank you for what you're doing. Greatly appreciate your time today. You're very kind. Thank you for having me on. Blessings to you and your family. The great LaFonzo Ellis joining me on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat here on WSBT Radio. And don't forget the Fighting Irish wrap up the regular season at Clemson tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 7.30 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We'll talk Hoosier hysteria with former Mishawaka head coach Ron Heklinski coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is 5.32 on your home of the Fighting Irish and the upcoming NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. This is Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you on this snowy Friday evening. Joining me right now is longtime high school basketball coach. Now we can call him a retired high school basketball coach. Joining the media here in town. You hear him on 96.1 The Ton. For Mishawaka Broadcast, he has his own podcast, too, that we need to mention, which I don't think we have in our conversation. So we'll do that over the next little bit as we talk Hoosier Hysteria 
with Mr. Ron Heklinski. Coach, it's good to be with you. How are you today? Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm really good. And um, I was thinking about this all day today when, when they forecast a little bit of bad weather. Um, it wouldn't be sectional basketball time for the boys <laughs> unless there was a little bad weather. And, uh, you know, it's, it, I mean, it's unfortunate because I don't like, I don't like moving the semifinals to Saturday. And I, and I even more don't like moving the finals to Monday. But it is what it is. You got to improvise. You got to take care of business and then play them when they tell you to play. You better believe it. And tomorrow night at six o'clock Eastern time, it'll be Michigan City versus Laporte. Then in the nightcap, probably around eight fifteen, eight thirty Eastern time, it will be Mishawaka taking on South Bend Riley. Let's talk a little bit about Tuesday night first coach. South Bend Adams got off to a really good start against a favored Michigan City club. It was 27-18 in favor of Chad Johnson's team late in the second quarter. But I guess as you would expect, Jamie Hodges of Michigan City got rolling. They took over the game in the second half and ended up winning 70-62. How impressed were you with the way Michigan City responded to a little adversity in the first half? Well, you know, with about 55 seconds left in the first half, uh, Adams had a 10-point lead with the ball. And um, if, if, I'm, if I'm coaching uh, that game, I'm telling my guys, uh, I want to end this half with a 10-point lead. So um, I don't want you shooting it too soon. If you make it, great. If you miss it, we're up by 10 heading into the half. Adams kind of messed it up, took some shots early. Michigan City came down, hit a three, hit a two. So instead of going down 10, Michigan City goes down five and, and stole the momentum of, of the first half that, that uh, John Adams had. John Adams played really well in the first half. Michigan City came out, played a 2-3 zone. Adams attacked it really well. Uh, and in the first half, Adams might have hit seven threes. Now, um, that whole script was reversed in the second half because Michigan City came out, went to a man-to-man defense. Adams didn't get any clean looks. And... Um, uh, Michigan City then hit six or seven threes in the second half. So I thought I thought Chad Johnson, I thought the emotion of Chad Johnson uh, being back and, and being able to coach, I thought his players uh, played hard for him. You can, you can really see the affinity that they had for their coach at the start of, their, of that game. And uh, once the emotion went off and once Michigan City went to the man-to-man in the second half, then, then I thought Jamie Hodges and, and, and the lefty Briggs took over and, and – uh, and, and Michigan City put that game away. Coach, I know you spend a lot of time following Mishawaka, as I mentioned, doing the broadcast on 96-1 the ton. Have you watched Laporte this year? Have you heard much about this Slicers team, who I think might be a little bit of a surprise how good they were this year with a veteran bunch? Well, I mean, it's funny you should ask that because uh, Brian Miller and myself got there early to, um, you know, set the equipment up, make sure everything's working. Brian's a pro, so – so he's, he's really good with that. And uh, Laporte was, was practicing then. So, so I got a chance to maybe watch the tail end of their practice. They have some size. Uh, they have some, some really, I mean, really athletic players that, that can really get up and go a little bit. Now, now we played Laporte two years ago in the uh, sectional mm-hmm. over at Michigan City, I believe. Yep. And, you know, not one of the names on their roster do I recognize or do I remember. So I will say with, with the coaching change, Jordan Heckert, he must have had a heck of a recruiting year in the last couple of years. <laughs> he has a good recruiting budget, huh? <laughs> no, I, I, you know, they, 
they, they, they take him to Heston's over there, the sure. great steakhouse in Laporte. And I say that in jest. But yes. he, was, he was coaching his brains out with his guys. His guys were listening. They were playing hard. And um, he's, he, he's done a great job of turning that program, of, of turning that program around. And uh, that'll, be, that'll be a really, really uh, good basketball game between Michigan City and, and, and uh, Laporte. I believe Laporte beat him earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I mean, Laporte will do things the right way. They'll, I mean, they'll, they'll talk on screens. They'll understand where Hodges is. But when you're playing against Jamie Hodges, I mean, that's a, that's a really tough task because he's got a limited range. He's going to put it up from 30, and, and, he's, and he's going to make them. And, um, I mean, if you go out and you guard him out there, then he's, then he's just going to drive by you. And if you help, like Adams did early in the game, then he's going to kick it to Briggs or a couple of those other guys that can really shoot it. So, so it's, a, it's a tough defensive assignment. It's a tough defensive preparation. But from what I saw, Laporte with the size, the length they had, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I expect that to be a really good basketball game. Ron Heklinski, my guest here on WSBT Radio. And, Coach, obviously going into a game like this, there's a lot of emotion. You're trying to get to a sectional championship. You want to keep your season alive. You want to experience more of Hoosier hysteria. So with that being established, this is also a rivalry game in the sectional semifinal. In your experience as a coach, did you have to go up against your rival in a situation like this much? And do you have to guard against the players getting too hyped up for this matchup? I mean, I've played against rivals in the sectional, and, and to me, and the preparation, uh, the, only, the only positive part about doing that is you know the team. You, you, know, you know what their adjustments are going to be. You know what they're going to come out and do. Uh, 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 you're pretty familiar of, of what they're going to – of what kind of adjustments they're going to make against you. Like, like for instance, in, in, in the Plymouth and Mishawaka game, um, I mean, Plymouth knew Mishawaka uh, switches all the time. And Plymouth had players that are coming off of, of screens and going to make deep J's. Uh, I mean, Davis Ray hit, hit Mishawaka for maybe 24 or 26 uh, the first time they played him. And, and so it's like the first two or three possessions I, I, I'm studying and watching and, and I'm seeing if Plymouth is going to screen their own, their own guy, mm-hmm. because if, because if you know, Davis Ray's coming off a screen and you know, whoever's guarding the screener is going to switch to him, then, then just guard the guy who's going to switch was, you know, which is your man and screen him. That would have been an adjustment that I, that I surely would have worked on for three or four days because Mishawaka is really, really good defensively, and Mishawaka is really good at, at, at switching, particularly down screens. And, and when I saw that, that Plymouth made no adjustment to do that, I mean, you know, maybe in, in the first two or three minutes of the game, I, I knew that it would be a long night for Plymouth. And Mishawaka won that game Tuesday night over the Pilgrims, 61-35. to And, of course, you know a lot about this Mishawaka team, having coached them the last few years, and you helped groom Arthur Jones into the point guard that he is right now. And the senior had nine of the first 11 points Tuesday night against Plymouth, finished with 13. I think he had five assists in the ballgame. But, Coach, I was really impressed, and I mentioned this to Coach Bender on last night's program, I thought he did a great job of controlling the game. The game, I thought, centered around Arthur with the ball in his hand. You know, sometimes you can maybe go too fast, but I don't think Arthur did in that game. I thought he set a tremendous pace in the ballgame. I'd like your thoughts on that. 
Yeah, I, don't, I, I think you're 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 100 correct on that. But I also think I also think early in the game uh, when you're going through a scouting report and, and the kids from Plymouth, uh, you know, they're 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 listening uh, to their coach and, and how we're going to play Arthur and how we're going to guard Arthur and, and and all of this kind of stuff. And then and I think they do buy into their scouting report, but their scouting report can never say that they're going to pressure Arthur Jones past the top of the key. Because whenever you pressure Arthur Jones past the top of the key, he's, he just has a knack for, for being able to get to the paint. He's got a knack for being able to finish when he gets into the paint or find shooters. And, um, you know, and, and this has happened to Arthur probably, I don't know, maybe 10 times this season early in games where, where, where the other team defends him and they're, and they're jacked up. They're, you know, coach has said we can do this. Let's take care of Arthur. Let's take Arthur out of the game. Well, you're not going to take Arthur out of the game by pressuring Arthur past the three-point line because he just he has a great feel. He has a great feel. He has a great Euro step. Uh, and you're better off playing Arthur Jones backing off of Arthur and, and making Arthur beat you from three. And I think, I think as the game went on, then he had the first nine points. And then I think they back off of him, and, and Arthur got into the, the, the point guard mode, the mode that he had the last four minutes of overtime versus St. Joe, which is probably – which is probably the best I've seen Arthur play this year, and it wasn't. It wasn't because he scored any points because he didn't. And I take that back. I think he hit a couple free throws, but he didn't score any points. He played the role of, of a point guard really, really well. He got he got Cooper an easy basket, and he got somebody else an easy basket. And when and when he plays like that, uh, Mishawaka offensively is is really tough to handle. You know, there's a lot of balance on this Mishawaka team, and I think a lot of players score in different ways. Jackson Snyder can knock down threes. Rasan Johnson really good in transition. Cooper Pritchett's good right around the basket. Brady Fisher's very creative in the paint, finding a way to score. So they have a lot of different options. But to me, Coach, I almost feel like Rasan is the X factor of this team. When he plays well, it seems like this team goes to the next level, and he had a very solid 14-point performance Tuesday night. Well, so so when Rasan can, can find open lanes and, and, and straight driving lanes, not lanes on the baseline, but – but lanes from the top because uh, when you're driving from the top, it's very it's really difficult to get help side there because uh, when the ball's on on one side of the floor, your help side is really defined. When the ball's in the middle of the court, uh, it becomes really difficult to define that. And and uh, Rashawn can beat his player, finishes well with his left hand, and uh, and when he plays like that and, and gets to the free throw line a little bit, he, he's really really tough. When he gets down on himself, when he misses a couple. And when he gets down on himself and, and, and he has a tendency then to make mistakes and, and, and compound those mistakes in maybe two or three or four uh, possessions in a row. When Rashad just lets the game come to him and, and does the things that, that he's capable of doing, I think, I think he's a great, great slash driver. It can get to the basket can make, and can make baskets. So they play, Coach Eklinski, the – Riley Wildcats tomorrow night at around 8 o'clock over in LaPorte. The two teams met earlier this year at the Cave back in December, and Mishawaka then closed the game out pretty strong and defeated the Wildcats 62-57. to What do you think are going to be some of the keys in this matchup for the two teams as they attempt to get to a sectional championship game? I think, I think one of the keys for Mishawaka is to – is to um, 
I mean, see if 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 O'Reilly's going to string four or five or six threes together. They like to shoot them. They like to shoot them deep, but they also like to get to the basket. And I think they're I think they're more dangerous when they're driving to the basket. Uh, you know, I always say a team that makes threes early usually doesn't make them late. And um, I, I, I think you know I think you got to go out and guard Marvin. I think you got to go out and, and guard the other guard. But I don't think you 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 know you have to fly at them real quickly and, and, and give them the lane. I think uh, you know I think start this game off and see what they can do. You know, work the switching game to perfection. Maybe don't let them make catches. Um, I, I mean, I'm a big believer um, in, in, in when you defend that you switch screens. You don't mess with them. Why, I mean, why fight screens? Especially, I mean, especially if you have a team like Mishawaka where anybody on the court can guard anybody. And and one of the things that I, I see about high school basketball is that is that most high school basketball players are not good passers. So if there is a mismatch, and if if Arthur, I mean, by switching gets caught on the, on the post player, I don't I don't think players are skilled enough to throw that lob pass or, or, or to even find the mismatch. And I don't, I don't think those mismatches hurt you. So I think when, when Mishawaka switches screens and, and denies passes, I think they're really, really good. I don't see Riley coming down and screening a lot because I know Alex Daniels knows that they, or, you know, know that they like to, to, to switch all that stuff. So why screen a lot and why, and why let them get into that? I, I, I think you're going to look uh, and, and, and see Riley maybe go to some five out and try and drive, create some driving lanes, and then drive and kick and maybe look for some shots like that. So, so I think Bodie uh, and, and his team will, will maybe look to take the drive away first and, 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 then deal in, and, and then deal with the outside shooting. Coach, as you go into tomorrow night's sectional semifinals, again, it's Michigan City versus LaPorte, Mishawaka versus Riley. Is there a favorite? Is this a situation where you wouldn't be shocked if any of the four won it? No, I don't think I don't think there's a favorite at all. I think it's wide open. I mean, I don't think I don't I don't think that that uh, Michigan City guards very well, and so I think that 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 that, that is their um, Achilles. I mean, Achilles heel. Mm-hmm. I think that Mishawaka does guard. I think I think Mishawaka guards. I think Mishawaka rebounds, and I think you know when you're talking about those two aspects of a basketball game, if you can if you can do those two things, you can. And take care of the ball now. Mishawaka's got to take care of the ball because they've been in some scenarios where, where they've had some leads and they let it get away because they didn't take care of the ball. But if they take care of the ball with the fact that they can guard and they can rebound, I, I think they're sitting in good shape to break that, that curse. That, that, you know, that's all I heard about when I came back to South Bend. It's been 1986 since Mishawaka won a section. Oh, you know, Coach Bill Davidson. I thought, I thought Bill Davidson was related to John Wooden. I swear to you, I did. I did because that's all I heard for like my five years of coaching. So I think it's time. I think it's time the cavemen go down there, take care of business. I know they're a focused bunch. I, I walked through practice tonight. Uh, I'm on my way out and uh, uh, they were focused and, you know, getting the things done that they needed to get done. And uh, so, so I, I like, I like the cavemen heading into these next two games, but I mean, the old cliche is you just got to play them one at a time and take and take care of business. Coach, how almost, dare I say, proud are you of this squad and how much you're pulling for them just because you have built such strong relationships with the players the last few years before you retired after last season? Yeah, no, I love those guys. Those guys, those guys uh, I had for three years. You know, I mean, the juniors I had for three years, I, I had Arthur for four years, and, um, and uh 
and those guys, I mean, they mean a lot to me. They came in, they competed. And, and when you're going through a grind, when you're going through a, a four-month season and you know it's a grind, it's a grind on everybody, sometimes you have scenarios where, where uh, things don't always work out the way you want them. Sometimes you have scenarios where, as a coach, you have to make tough decisions on what's best for, uh, I mean, what's best for the whole team as opposed to maybe some guys that are, that are just trying to be individuals. But, you know, uh, Coach Bender's come in. He's, he's co- he, he coaches these guys up really, really well. He's got their respect. Um, he's got he's got great parts to fit into the puzzle. I think. I think he has the ultimate glue guy, the ultimate guy that will sacrifice himself for the team, and and, and that's obviously Cooper. I think he's got a, I think he's got a point guard that when he decides to be the point guard, he, he's as, he's as good as they have. Uh, Brady Fisher can play any position on the court. He can bring the ball up. He can play in the post. He can play on the wing. Rashad's a slasher. Uh, Jackson Snyder has proved now that that, that, that he can come in and, and make shots. I think at the beginning of the season, he, he didn't he wasn't sure what his role was. He didn't know if he had the green light to, to take shots. And so 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 when you don't know if you have the green light, when you take a shot and you go and it goes in, you start thinking, yeah, man, maybe I can shoot a little more. And then when you take two more and you miss them, you say, I ain't shooting anymore. Well, now I, I think he has a feel. I think he knows he's got the green light. And so I think I think Mishawaka um, has the pieces, and, and I'm really proud of him. I, I mean, Ian, I love Ian. I love Shelter. He's just a wonderful man. And Bodie and Bodie just just comes in and coaches. There's no there's no flair. There's no there's nothing. He just comes in and coaches his brains out. And that's and that was obvious when he when he took his Carroll basketball team, who's not really known for basketball mm-hmm. success um, at that school. When he takes that team and, and they win a couple sectionals, he's He's within a couple of points from going to the state final himself. So, so I like I, I like that team. I like those guys. I'm I'm, I'm pulling for them, obviously. And uh, but I'm a pro behind the mic, man. I'm yes, not you are. Biased, right? No, of course not. Yeah, Absolutely am, not. Man. No. And I'll tell you what, yeah. if people yeah. want more of this, you are a part of a podcast with former high school coach Pat King. Tell our listeners about that and where they can find it. Yeah, yeah. On Monday nights from six thirty to seven thirty. At Bar Louis, it's at broadcastsport.net. Now you can listen to it uh, live from 6:30 to 7:30, or you can listen to the archives. The archives are put up the next day, and uh, we'll, I mean we'll have a guest. A couple of my guests were uh, two weeks ago. I had my nephew Jeff Eklinski, who was the assistant football coach at Michigan, is the offensive coordinator at San Diego State. I had Rich Donnelly, the third base coach from the Florida Marlins, nice. on. Um, who uh, who had the 20 year anniversary of the Marlins uh, World Series championship? I I had that on uh, uh, in the fall. We have we have high school coaches. Um, uh, Al Rhodes was great the other day, which we talked about. Uh, the Penn Kingsman Bodie's been on. Uh, and then what I told Al, I said, Al, if Marcus Burton isn't Mr. Basketball, there needs to be an investigation. And um, so yeah, so it's a great podcast. Pat is great. Pat's been a high school basketball coach for as long as I have. And, and Pat played for the Anderson Indians. Uh, I coached. I, I coached the Anderson Indians, and Pat played for him. So if you get a minute, tune in. Uh, we get a lot of listenership. We get questions, and uh, it's a lot of fun, actually. Coach, good to talk hoops with you. Always enjoy the conversation. I look forward to 
waving at you from a distance as you broadcast the game from LaPorte tomorrow night on 96-1 the ton. Pre-game at 6 Eastern time at 6.30, LaPorte versus Michigan City. Probably about 8.15, it'll be Riley versus Mishawaka, and I will see you then. Yeah, so so all of our all of our people going to the game, and we need to have a ton of people. This team is so fun to watch; they need to be supported. But when you make sure you 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 drive up to the port, make sure everybody's safe. Take your time on the roads, yep. and let's watch some great basketball tomorrow night. Coach, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you so much. Uh, you're the best, man. See you. Thank you. Ron Heklinski, retired basketball coach, of course, most recently at Mishawaka. And we've got a great doubleheader tomorrow night at LaPorte. Here are the games on 96-1 the ton. And let me just go through this really quickly. All the area games have been postponed, and I have most of the information on the makeups. As we mentioned, LaPorte is tomorrow night. Elkhart has been postponed tomorrow night. It will be Penn and Goshen at 6 at 7.30, Concord versus Northridge, the championship game Monday night at 7 o'clock. 3A at Jimtown. They will play everything tomorrow. 10.30 a.m., Marion versus Washington at 12 o'clock. It's St. Joe taking on New Prairie. The title game is Saturday night. We have 3A at Knox, 10.30 a.m., Knox versus Culver Academy. Game 2, Bremen versus Glenn. They will play the title game Saturday night. And Northwood also was postponed. And I believe they are going to go 6 o'clock tomorrow, Lakeland and West Noble. The nightcap, Fairfield versus Northwood. They will play the championship game Monday night at 7.30. Other high school basketball news today, Elkhart boys basketball coach Kyle Sears has resigned after kind of getting that Elkhart program going with the combining of schools and went 26-46 and 46 in three years with the Lions before that. A lot of success over at Elkhart Memorial. 5.54 is our time. More sports beat next on WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. I'm catching on the hosel, right? Yeah, right, right. Moving my head. Yeah. Clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Tears in his eyes, I guess. Four, please. Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your have you seen anything like that? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to hour number two of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is six minutes after six o'clock. Sports Beat brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's, the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. And by Pet Refuge. Urging you to adopt, don't shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. Notre Dame women's basketball, a win today at the ACC tournament, a quarterfinal round win over North Carolina State, 66-60. to 
Hoosier hysteria in our immediate area. Canceled for tonight. Games tomorrow. Anders Bjork, the former Notre Dame hockey player, traded to the Chicago Blackhawks today from the Buffalo Sabres for future considerations. The trade deadline today in the National Hockey League. The Hawks shipped Max Domi to Dallas, and we saw Patrick Kane get shipped away to the New York Rangers, and the rebuild is on in the Windy City as they try to reestablish themselves near the top of the NHL, but it's going to take... It looks like a few years in Chicago. Well, hockey here in South Bend tonight. The snow is flying in the air. The snow will be flying a little bit inside the Compton Family Ice Arena as the postseason gets underway for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. The Irish picked up the number four seed in the Big Ten Tournament. They got some help last weekend. First off, they won four of six points from the Michigan Wolverines. And with the help of the Wisconsin Badgers, who had not won a road conference game in two years, they stunned Penn State 2-1. That allowed the Fighting Irish to jump Penn State. And Penn State actually ended up as the sixth seed, a top-ten team in the country, seeded sixth out of seven teams in the Big Ten Conference. So Notre Dame, the fourth seed. They have drawn the five seed, the Michigan State Spartans, in this best-of-three quarterfinal series at Lefty Smith Rink. For the Fighting Irish, here's the good news. They have played really good hockey the last few weeks. You think back to a month ago, this team was not playing great hockey. They were dealing with an injury to their leading scorer, Ryder Ralston. Then a few weeks ago against Ohio State, center Jackson Pearson went down with an injury, has not played since. But you take a look at since Notre Dame got swept at Michigan State February 3rd and 4th by scores of 3-0 and 3-2, Notre Dame has not lost. On February 10th and 11th, they faced Ohio State, a top-10 team of the country. At home, Notre Dame won the first game 2-1. The second game ended in a 2-2 tie. After a bye week, Notre Dame visited the number three team in the country, the Michigan Wolverines. The Irish and the Wolverines Last Friday, tied at three. Notre Dame won the extra point with the victory in the shootout. And then last Saturday, a dramatic 2-1 to overtime win for Notre Dame. Drew Bavaro, the defenseman, the transfer from Bentley, scored twice in the game, including the game winner in overtime as the Irish knocked off the Wolverines 2-1. to And that's how Notre Dame sits now with home ice for the first round of the Big Ten Tournament. Now, Michigan State went 2-1-1 against the Fighting Irish this year. The good news is Notre Dame, first Big Ten series of the year, hosted Michigan State. They won the first game 5-0. The second game ended in a 1-1 tie. Then up in East Lansing, Michigan State turned the table a month ago tonight. It was the 3-0 win for Michigan State. Notre Dame did not play well at all in that game. And then a 3-2 loss the next night to Michigan State. So, Spartans, the head-to-head advantage in the regular season. But Notre Dame has the home ice advantage over the Spartans. Both teams are in must-win mode to make the NCAA tournament. The loser would seem like they're eliminated. For sure, Michigan State can't say definitely Notre Dame, but... It puts them in a very, very difficult spot. They're 15, 14, and 5. If they get swept in the two-game series, there is a rule. You can't be an at-large team with an under 500 record. So 
they lose two straight, then they're done. But the Irish right now are 14th in the pairwise. You want to be in the top 12 to avoid upsets in the conference tournament. Teams that get automatic bursts that would not make the tournament otherwise. So the Irish have to win, it seems like, this weekend. And then will play likely either Minnesota or Michigan on the road in a one-game Big Ten tournament semifinal next Saturday. So Irish have to play well this weekend, or it could be done for the year for Jeff Jackson's team. But the good news is Coach Jackson's team is playing good hockey right now, and here is Coach Jackson discussing the team's recent play. And sorry, I've got a little audio bleeding through my pot here. Let me take care of a couple of things. And now we're ready to go to hear from Coach Jackson on the team's recent play. Um, you know, the, for me, it's our execution has been better. Our discipline's been better. And our, ex, and our, our compete level has been more consistent. And I think that's probably the big three. Um, you know, as you know, we're playing shorthanded. But guys have stepped up and filled vacancies in, in different roles whether it be on the penalty kill, the power play. I mean, with some of the guys that are out, I mean, we had to replace people. And those people that have stepped in have, have, have stepped up. And that's always a, an important part of, of your depth is when you do have people that are out of the lineup, that you have people to replace them that can still contribute in a big way. And the Irish have the luxury of putting between the pipes Ryan Bischel, who is playing as well as anyone in the country as a goaltender right now, a 930 save percentage for Ryan Bischel. And Jeff Jackson decided to give Bischel some reading material in order to help him with the mental side of the game. Here's Coach Jackson on Ryan Bischel. In reality, that was my offseason challenge to him was to improve in that area. So I give him credit. I gave him a book to read in the off season and, you know, just about developing some swagger on how he plays the position. Um, you know, swagger can be a, a, a bad word, but, you know, for me, it's about having that inner confidence to, to be able to, everybody can see it. I mean, can see your confidence without being cocky, you know, and, and great goalies that I've had in my coaching career, they've all had that. And I thought Ryan was lacking that. Uh, maybe part of the reason why, you know, he did lose a battle a couple of years in a row uh, here. You know, he's playing, he's played behind Cale Morris. He's played behind uh, Dylan St. Cyr and he's played behind uh, Matthew Goleida. It was his right. turn to die. And even before he got here, he was, he was fighting to play from the old Michigan goalie. Uh, uh, Strauss man. Well, he, I mean, he, and he battled with Strauss for two years. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, he played with them because it was only in the last month or two of the season each year that he ended up getting beat out or because of injury in the in the St. Cyr year, he, he lost the opportunity to be the guy going into the playoffs. Jeff Jackson on Ryan Bischel. I think this is going to be a low-scoring series. Don't be surprised if the final scores are not 3-2, 2-1, Two nothing. It all starts on Quality Rock 94.3 FM 6:45 pregame over at the Compton tonight. Seven o'clock opening faceoff. I need to take a break. When we come back, you'll hear some details on Isaiah Foskey as he's got his NFL Combine underway down in Indy. 6:15 at WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you. 
talking about the NFL Draft Combine down in Indianapolis this weekend. Right now focusing on Fighting Irish defensive end Isaiah Foskey, the all-time leading sack man in Notre Dame history. And Foskey was asked to talk about how he built his pass rushing skills. I feel like creating a pass rush pretty much starts in the beginning of like the week and into the game. But, like I set up a lot of my pass rushes with, started out with bull rush. But as you start out with a bull rush, you see how they pretty much take that. My go-to go -to move is a long arm, so you just stick with the long arm or do staff club, depending on how the tackle sets. But that's like my passion is game plan. And it pretty much adjust from every tackle. You just see what they, what the tackles have been beat with or anything like that. We know Isaiah Foskey can get to the quarterback, but has his game evolved enough to call himself a complete defensive end? Is he good enough against the run to now put himself in that classification? I feel like all 32 teams know I can stop the run and get to the pass rusher. Like the guy said over here, the UNC game, that was one of the the back-to-back -back uh just showing I can pretty much dominate the tackle and get a TFL back-to-back plays. What does Foskey feel like he needs to prove at the Combine this weekend? I feel like there's nothing I can prove but just showcase that I'm one of the fastest defensive end for my size. I'm one of athletic guys. I can jump the highest, broad jump the bars. Anything that you guys test me with, I'm pretty much going to be the top uh, prospect for it. Well, you have a feeling Bosky's workouts are going to go really, really well because he had the opportunity to work with Notre Dame strength and conditioning coach Matt Bayless throughout his career. And we have seen since Bayless has come to South Bend, Notre Dame players absolutely blow up the NFL Combine process. Foskey was also asked to preview 2023 and maybe the guy that will take over as the top pass rusher on this football team. He went with. He's been ready for a big role since pretty much he stepped on campus. Yeah, Jordan, Jordan Patello is my guy. He shows a very versatile in pass rush. He can stop the run. And he's really like a menace to every single offensive line. He's a re he's really aggressive at a point of attack, and he can just dominate any tackle he goes against. ESPN's Mel Kuyper Jr. has been a draft expert for quite some time. He was the original NFL draft analyst, and he has his defensive end top ten list. And Isaiah Foskey comes in at number eight. Some of the players ahead of him. The guy in the top spot is Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. Second, a player that Notre Dame went up against, Clemson's Miles Murphy. You got Lucas Van Ness from Iowa, Keon White from Georgia Tech. And coming in fifth is B.J. Ojolari from Louisiana State. But again, Foskey coming in at number eight in regard to the best defensive ends in the 2023 NFL Draft, according to ESPN's Mel Kuyper Jr. Now let me move to the Chicago Bears for a couple of moments. On the clock right now for the 2023 NFL Draft, they have the number one overall selection. As we have documented, Ryan Poles, the new GM of the Chicago Bears, he has stood behind Justin Fields. He is his guy because there is a thought if Fields isn't the type of quarterback this new front office wants because they didn't draft him, you can move him, get collateral, and take another quarterback at number one. But unless they are sending out some really bad smoke signals, they are sticking with fields, which means they are more than likely going to trade down from number one because you got all these teams trying to get up to number one to take the best quarterback in the draft, whether it's Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, whoever you think is number one. The Bears are going to get a lot for this pick. And you would have to imagine the Colts at four – 
is a possible landing spot for the Bears. If the Colts want to move up three spots to number one to get their pick of the litter, they can sure do that. And the Bears should be still sitting pretty, at least we thought so. But did something this week that occurred maybe change the Bears' thinking? First, before this thing happened that I'll talk about in a second, ESPN's Mel Kuyper Jr., talking about the Bears being able to move down and still have a chance to draft one of the two top defensive players in the draft, Georgia defensive lineman Jalen Carter and the edge rusher from Alabama, Will Anderson. You can get Jalen Carter from Georgia, who I think is the best player in this draft. It's not a good draft, but he's the number one guy on the board right now. Injured in September, came back healthy, was wreaking havoc late. He was the dominant figure in 2021 on that talent-laden Georgia Bulldog defense. Jalen Carter was the guy. Uh, the Bears need him, that interior defensive tackle, defense line in general. Greeny, big need for the Chicago Bears. They had their franchise quarterback in Justin Fields, so no question you keep Fields. You don't trade Justin Fields. Justin Fields is your guy. You move down twice, you get extra draft picks. You benefit from teams willing to move up and desperate to move up to get that quarterback in this draft and yet four you're guaranteed either will anderson jr or jalen carter so here's what happened this week that could change the bears thinking jalen carter from georgia was arrested on charges of reckless driving and racing in connection with a crash that killed a bulldog teammate and a recruiting staff member he was booked on a pair of misdemeanors on wednesday and released after posting four thousand dollars bail and arraignment hearing and the case was set for April the 18th, according to the arrest warrant attained by the Associated Press, Carter is accused of racing his 2021 Jeep Trackhawk against the 2021 Ford Expedition driven by recruiting staffer Chandler LaCroix, leading to the January 15th crash that killed LaCroix and offensive lineman Devin Willock. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has reported that Carter was present at the scene of the crash and later provided shifting accounts of the incident to police. He has released a statement saying that he expects to be, quote, fully exonerated of any criminal wrongdoing, end quote. Carter has been linked to the Chicago Bears during this draft process. We'll see if this changes things for Chicago. Again, edge rusher from Alabama, Will Anderson, is another really good choice. The Bears need upgrades across that defensive line. So the Bears have a lot to think about before we get to the NFL draft, and they're going to hit the jackpot. They are going to get quite a haul, in my opinion, for that number one overall pick. All right, 633 at WSBT. Let's go ahead and just recap for a moment for those who might be just jumping on the program with the winter weather that we are experiencing Today in the area, a lot of cancellations, including the boys' basketball sectional semifinals all across our listening audience will not be played tonight. Class 4A at LaPorte. We will have sectional semifinal action tomorrow at 6.30. It'll be Michigan City versus LaPorte, and 6.30 is Eastern time. The second game of the doubleheader, Mishawaka versus Riley probably a little after 8 o'clock Eastern time. The title game is Monday night at 7.30 Eastern time. Class 4A at Elkhart. We will have two games tomorrow at 6 o'clock. 
The heavily favored Penn Kingsman taking on Goshen. Game two at around 7.30. It is Northridge, fresh off their win over Warsaw, taking on Concord. The Elkhart Championship game is Monday night at 7 o'clock. Now to Class 3A at Jimtown. Big matchup tomorrow morning at 10.30 a.m. Mishawaka Marion versus South Bend, Washington. Game two right around noon, it'll be South Bend, St. Joe and New Prairie. These games are starting early because they will play the championship game tomorrow night. And they are scheduled for a 7 o'clock Saturday night championship game tip at Jimtown. Class 3A. At Knox, they will play all three games tomorrow. And I believe this is central times for the Knox games. Knox versus Culver Academy. The first game it's listed as 1030. I'm assuming that's central time. Followed by Bremen versus John Glenn. And John Glenn, they beat Tippy Valley by double digits Tuesday night to move on in the sectional. And they will have a title game Saturday night at Knox. And Class 3A at Northwood. They will play two games tomorrow. Sectional semifinal number one at 6 o'clock. It is West Noble versus Lakeland. And then in game two, the number one team in the state, Northwood, on their home floor facing Fairfield. The championship game for Northwood is Monday night at 7.30. So that is the updated schedule for high school boys basketball sectionals tomorrow. If you want more information, you want to double-check the times, please feel free to contract or contact your sectionals or your high school to get the latest information. But that's what I have collected throughout the day here at WSBT Radio. The Irish hockey game is on tonight. They will take on Michigan State. I'm not calling the game tonight. And if there's a Game 3 on Sunday, I'll be back for that particular game. But you can hear Notre Dame hockey taking on Michigan State in the Big Ten Tournament quarterfinals. Pre-game in about nine minutes. Opening face-off is at 7 o'clock over at the Compton Family Ice Arena. Notre Dame women's basketball, no problem with the weather down in Greensboro. The Irish are the top seed, and they got it done today, beating NC State, the eight-seeded Wolfpack, 66-60. Olivia Miles injured over the weekend against Louisville. Had that knee injury, did not play today, listed as day-to-day. You could see her walking extremely gingerly, almost robotic on that injured left knee. So it doesn't look good right now for Miles, just based on us not being doctors, watching her walk, which doesn't mean a whole lot, obviously. But Sonia Citron, 28 points and 9 rebounds today. Maddie Westfeld, 15 points, 10 rebounds. She went over 1,000 career points. So in the semifinals tomorrow at noon, it'll be the top-seeded Irish taking on the four-seed Louisville, who beat Wake Forest 74-48. to The third meeting in 17 days between these two teams, and Notre Dame has won the previous two matchups. More on the Notre Dame-Michigan State Hockey Series. Adam Nightingale, Michigan State head coach. That interview is coming up next. We have some Sizzler sports wagering picks to get to as well before the top of the hour. On your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT.